This is episode 124 of the Move Your DNA podcast, your questions about walking. I am Katie Bowman, biomechanist and the author of Move Your DNA, as well as other books on movement. On this show, we talk about how movement works on the cellular level, how to move more, and how to move more of your parts, as well as how movement works between bodies and in the world, also known as movement ecology. All bodies are welcome here. Let's get moving. Friends, today I am going to be talking about walking. To know me is to know that I love walking, and in addition to actual walking, I like talking about walking and thinking about walking and breaking down the act of walking into smaller movements. Last month, Jill Miller, who's co-founder of Tune Up Fitness Worldwide, she's the creator of the Role Model Method, she and I released Walking Well, which is a six-hour online video course on walking mechanics. Specifically, it's the corrective exercises and self-massage rollouts to get key body parts moving so folks can feel more able to walk and walk farther and feel secure on more complex terrain. With so much social media promotion that we did for this program, I got a lot of questions about walking and gait. So I decided to dedicate a full episode to answering those questions. Now, I, maybe like you, I have found moving as much as I have in the past really difficult these days. And I have spent so much time putting movement into my activities of daily living that when many of the activities of daily living closed, the opportunity for movement went with it. My work time has also gone up in the sense of needing to create new learning, work, community, and movement systems, and I have been feeling so undermoved, which is really just a long way of saying that right now I'm having to choose between allotting my time to either record this podcast or take a walk or spend a little time with my significant other. So instead of picking one, I am choosing to pick them all, which means right now I am heading out to answer your questions on the move. Okay, friends, I have in hand a page, four pages actually, of your questions. I have a recording device, and I also have one of my favorite humans and definitely one of my most favorite husbands ever, Michael Curran, with whom I'm going to discuss some of your questions while walking. Michael, thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for allowing all the listeners to come on our date hike with us. I wish we were not hiking uphill. Great. <laughs> um, so we have questions from your readers. Um, so I'll just jump in. Well, can I say something? Yeah. I've sorted them, sort of, because sometimes they go into multiple categories, into biomechanics and form, human movement, natural human movement, questions on pain, the practice of walking, kids' feet questions. I'm not sure how many we're going to get to, so if we need more walking, we can get that. So let's start with biomechanics and form. All right, biomechanics and form. Again, this is from your readers, not from me, necessarily. I wear out the balls of my feet on all my socks. 
I swear this isn't me. Are you sure it's not you? <laughs> Do I have some kind of twisting action? Did you write this? Like, no. to be me? Do I have some kind of twisting action to my walk? Some of your readers would like asking, to know. Asking for a friend. <laughs> right. Maybe. Maybe there is some twisting. I would also look for calf tension. So it would be a lot of uh, plantar flexion tension, which means that the ball of your foot is not, not so much that it's landing because everyone's feet are going to do that, almost everyone, but that it's pressing against the pressure in the forefoot's high. So calf stretch is the homework, but also hip extension because that twisting action, I'm doing it right now. Can you hear it? You can see it. When your hips are tight and that leg doesn't want to go behind you, it still gets behind you. But the way it gets behind you is by twisting the entire pelvis. So your feet, they're, even if they're pointed straight ahead to begin with, I'm going to slow down right now because I have to sort of model what I'm saying. When you push up that foot, it rotates because your hips go forward over your foot, the calf won't dorsiflex anymore, which is the motion that you get in a calf stretch. And so it is pivoted. The tight hips, hips that don't extend, pivot the front of your foot. So it could be either of those, likely both. You want to go downhill? Yeah. You think the dog wants to go downhill? She's already halfway up the hill. Oh, let's go, let's, let's, let's go follow down. her. Uh, next question. Should the lateral pelvis move up and down while walking? Or is stillness what we're going for to stop the piston action of the low back? I like that. So pelvic list action is happening. And if it's happening, then you can't really have a still or static lower back. That piston action, another way of saying that is lateral flexion for the anatomy heads listening. And so if we just stop for a second, I'm just going to make us stop a lot. If you just stood and bent your torso to the right and then bent your torso to the left, that's lateral flexion. But now keep your torso upright, pick your left foot up and pelvic list on that right leg. That same motion is happening even though your torso isn't moving. It's like your pelvis is bending relative to the torso. So that does happen when you are walking and where you're walking uphill, downhill, uh, over terrain is going to determine the degree to which that's happening. The issue is when you have a lot of, how do I say it? When you have a lot of lumbar lateral flexion without a lot of control. So I have a wider pelvis. I have worked with many people who have a wide or as wide as or wider than my pelvis and when there's a lot of hip motion you get a lot of lower back toggling or that piston action is really high when it's uncontrolled when it's just falling versus your lateral hip strength controlling it I think that's when we end up developing a lot of issues in the lower back so homework for that is pelvic list not just the motion, but the control of it all the way up and all the way down. Final answer.
Sounds good. Next question from a listener says, my husband calls me a clomper. Wait, this is my question? <laughs> Asking for a friend. Is a heavy footfall due to poor alignment or is it just something that I'm stuck with? Or to rephrase it, is that just my graceful way of walking forever? Thank you to my parents. Or is it a sign that of eminent doom down the road? Are you, did you just riff that whole thing in half? That actually says that. No, it doesn't say that. Okay. This is why you're so good at Balderdash. <laughs> Are we playing Balderdash right now? <laughs> so, again, we're going to stop. I'm going to let you listen to me walk here. So it's a heavy footfall. But the reason I have a heavy footfall is because I'm not carrying my weight. So when you're walking, you have a stance leg and a swing leg. So if you just pause in a step, you're on one foot, the other leg's swinging through. Your, your swing leg comes through and eventually it becomes the stance leg, right? Because you land on it. You're hearing the land. You are hearing the transfer from your stance leg to your swing leg. You're hearing your swing leg become the stance leg. So I feel like a broken record, but I'm going to say pelvic list again because the pelvic list is the move that allows you to hold all of your body weight as you're standing on your stance leg and your swing leg is not on the ground, it swings through it's got to get down to the ground and your pelvic list, the downward action of the pelvic list is when you set it down gently. So I'm going to walk, I'm going to put the microphone down by my feet and I'm going to, I'm going to be really working my lateral hip muscles and let's see how loud it is. Now I'm going to work my lateral hips less. Now I'm going to work them more. Did you hear me switch them to working less? So it's really just the impact. It's called heel strike. But strike just means that it makes contact. It is not permission to slam it to the ground. So it's your lateral hips. It's those hips again. They are very much part of what's happening in your ankles, feet, knees, hips, lower back. Now, are you conscious of how that? <laughs> <laughs> like, my gosh, it's like walking next to a, what's it in a china shop? A bull? A bull in a china shop. Which is a misnomer? This, uh, yeah, bulls have been proven to not knock anything over when they're in tight quarters with shelves of china. It was like on Mythbusters. It was on Mythbusters. So. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that I bet you something gets knocked over. Well, right I'm sure given an amount of time, we all have accidents. Even bulls. Even bulls in a china shop. Even bulls in a china shop. So that's the actual expression. We all have accidents. <laughs> even bulls in a china shop. As a movement coach, I would love some tips slash techniques for assessing gait in my students in a way that's approachable and useful. Sometimes I find that gait analysis becomes really technical, and I'm wondering if there's a way 
to look for more of the, quote, big rocks. I'm not sure what that metaphor means. I think a big rock would be something something that a novice can focus on without getting caught up in all the little tiny details. Thank you. Uh, Yes, there are lots of those, but quick answer on a podcast is not the place to learn professional gait analysis, but I will recommend checking out the Walking Well program, which I mentioned at the beginning of the show, because that's really one of the reasons we created it, is to give visual space, movement practice space to learn how to see some of those big rocks, as you said. And I did another podcast interview recently where the gentleman interviewing said something like something eyes get some we need to get good gate eyes or I'm not sure what it is gate is subtle it's not only how it looks also it's really about what is working as it looks a certain way that's almost more important right so if you're learning if you want to learn fast gait analysis it's tricky because heel strike you're looking for the heel strike but as we just mentioned there is heel strike and there's heel crashing and there's not always that breakdown of how to minimize the sound or the impact so go check out that course that was the that was the shortest answer i could come up with this is a very steep hill. Didn't you have like a two-year course on this stuff before? <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, do I pelvic list when going downhill? Which we are not going downhill yet. <laughs> let's turn around to see. Let me check it out. Oh, okay. oh there's more to the question. There's more. Okay, let's keep going. What are the other mechanics of going downhill? Ooh. Now you're away. I'm going to keep going uphill. Okay. Well, you answer. Yes. So, yes. You pelvic list while going downhill. Pelvic list is one of the key moves to going downhill. Now remember the pelvic list has a full range of motion that is elevating and lowering the floating side of the pelvis. That's a complete pelvic list. So when you're going downhill, you are primarily uh, using the lowering strengths and ranges of motion, not the lifting portion of the pelvic list. Uh, In order to do that, as I feel like Pelvic List should sponsor this podcast. I was thinking exactly. <laughs> it's like, Full we are name dropping the Pelvic List a lot. Uh, the Pelvic List, if you're like, why can't my hips get stronger? It's often because the waist is not mobile. The spine does not flex laterally, which is why we have torso exercises. A lot of them in walking well, because gait is not only feet ankles, knees, and hips. It's really the entire body. So other motions that affect your downhill mechanics are tight calves. So I'm going to turn around, face downhill for a second. You can try this with your foot on a book or block. Put your right foot up on something or just step up on a stair and then lift your left foot out in front of you. Try to drop your foot to the floor and you're gonna see that you have to lower your 
floating side of the pelvis. That's the pelvic list. And then you have to bend the knee, which is another motion, which means you have to also dorsiflex the ankle, which means your ankle is going to get, the ankle joint is going to get smaller, just like it does in the calf stretch, only it's a different orientation. The foot is flat and the shin is moving forward. So one of the reasons we work on the calf stretch, let's go back up hill. <laughs> One of the reasons we work on the calf stretch is not only for flat over ground, is because going downstairs in a way that gives you a lot of control, where you're not falling, you're not crashing to the next step, depends on that ankle dorsiflexion. Yeah. So four motions of downhill are pelvic lift, lowering phase, lateral flexion to accommodate the pelvic lift because they go together ankle dorsiflexion and knee flexion yeah might it be an accurate a mildly accurate generalization to say that if you're lacking in the ability to do any one of those motions that the other ones are going to have to compensate and maybe to the detriment of your joint health yeah and i think it's i think that would be simple a simple way of going hey if these parts aren't there to do their portion of the work and you still get down the stairs, something else stepped in. It's not always more to those joints that I just mentioned. It could be something like in the question before, we added twisting. Twisting's not even on the list of flat overground, right? There wouldn't be a ton of twisting in a flat overground step. But if your hips can't extend, it becomes, it shows up. So sometimes the compensations are created. Sometimes the compensations include entirely new motions that weren't, on, weren't even on the original list. Sometimes, like in the case of the knees, maybe you have great ankle dorsiflexion, no pelvic list, then you would have a greater degree of knee flexion. So you've got one joint moving more, but it was already on the original list. Sometimes it is a loss of, mm, how do I want to say it? It's a loss of form in the sense that when we were just doing that step-down exercise, if your, if your ankle doesn't want to dorsiflex, you just have to fall down to the next step. So you see a crash. So you would see an increase in landing impact. But all the joint ranges of motion, they all still did their small part, but it wasn't enough to get you down the stairs. So you have to sort of like fall forward. So that fall shows up. So... Yes, and. That was good. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I feel like at this point we have to recognize that at least three of the people listening <laughs> don't know what a pelvic list is all about. Should we cover that or where can they find out? Pelvic list, video and instruction are on my website for free. If you go to the blog and you type in pelvic list, there's an article called like why and how to pelvic list and so everything is there it is a very small meaning the actual degrees of motion the the actual way it looks to the eye is small but it is tremendously important to overground movement for a walking human being so i encourage everyone to go check it out and learn it it's really a great way to take the load off your knees and ankles. Thank you. This is a big puddle. It is a big puddle. 
Do you have tips for walking in minimalist footwear with overpronation? And I assume they're talking about overpronation of the foot and not of their entire body. <laughs> I don't know that, that was a, well, you know, that they're lying down on their face too often. <laughs> And it's just okay. like, <laughs> on the floor face down. Right. I'm over pronated. <laughs> I can't lift my head. How do I wear some better shoes? Okay. There you go. Thank you. Over pronation of the ankle. So I would say that what you do when walking in those shoes, I would answer it more like what would you be doing when you're not walking so that you walk better? And that is to learn about knee pit position, thigh femur position it's challenging to see where your thigh bones the thigh bones rotate so even though you know if you put your stop for a second i'm just using this as a brace <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta explain. I just kidding so if you put your hands on the front of your thighs the question you have to ask is is this really the front of my thighs and the answer is no it's probably not your thigh turns in a way that moves the front of the thigh towards the back in either direction. Similarly, if you're like, oh, okay, then I'll use the back of my thigh, same thing. If you go to your back of the thigh, if you put your hands on the back of the thigh, the question is, this is the back of my thigh? And the answer is probably not, not in the way that you think because that part rotates. So we use the knee pits. You can go again to the website to get a visual of what knee pits are. It's also in the, the walking program and and I think almost all of my books, Move Your DNA, Whole Body Barefoot, for sure, even Dynamic Aging, I think, has this way of going, it's like a map to your thigh. So we use those pits as our way of figuring out where the thigh is in space because beneath what we call the front or the back of the thigh are the, are the lever systems. So we need to know the levers and muscle systems that pull your thigh around. So we need some sort of compass. The knee pits are the compass to the thigh. It gives us a sense of where things are in space. And so when you're overpronated, you would find this in a whole body barefoot. Pronation and overpronation has very much to do with, again, your lateral hips. Uh -oh. I know, I know, I know. Uh, your lateral hips in conjunction with the muscles in your feet really create the resting position and active positions and the strength of the ankle. So, you know, when, you, when you're overpronated, before you walk in minimal shoes, it's like get less overpronated. Get those strengths. Find those strengths. That's my advice to you. Homework, pelvic list intrinsic range of motion find your knee pits shank rotation these seem like words i'm just saying <laughs> but they are related to each other you can find them organized in go check out our our best walking resources or you can work through the free content online that way i've got to ask the clarifying question oh. of knee pits are very hard to see why not use the uh, front of the knee front of the knee is as, a, as an alignment marker yeah so that would be like the patella right. or the part when you look at your knee in the mirror you're like there's my knee for sure 100 percent. and yes your knee the knee also rotates when the thigh rotates 
the knee rotates. And so the bone that we use to look at our knee, I'm going to stop, <laughs> no surprise here, and straighten my leg. And you can do that too. And, and wiggle the kneecap on the front of the knee. Hopefully it gives a little bit. If it doesn't, you're going to want to do some patella release, which is an exercise, not a surgery, <laughs> <laughs> um, to get that to drop down. That bone that you're feeling right there in the front of the knee is at the whim of the four muscles above it, your quadriceps, that connect to it. So I say that the patella is like a puppet and the quadriceps are the strings and the patella is very malleable, so malleable that it's not a is not a very reliable way at all to align your knee or to know more specifically where the bone, the other bones that make up the knee, your femur and your two lower leg bones, where they are in space. So using the patella only tells you where the patella is. And we do have sort of a epidemic of the patella not sitting in the patellar groove, but rather to the side, most often above the knee joint, which is what gives a lot of folks problems. This feels really mucky. Yeah. Time-wise? Yeah, we could head back. Yeah. This is the second half of the downhill podcast. It's only take five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going to answer these ones quick. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. Bear tracks. Yeah. Oh, no way. Well, that's... Bear, here. Clear as day, isn't it? I know. One, two... mind moving forward just links so where did it step from here i was looking at it and going why was someone barefoot in the mud up through here here's another one here's another one is it on top of the tire track no it looks like the tire track well yes that one's on top yep. just meandering down the down the path of least resistance like everyone else we should bring the kids up here and let them yep. check it out okay not to confuse things, but I am back home now. And while we did not find the bear, we did manage to have our phone die on us. So I only got to answer a portion of the questions and I will do a couple more episodes because there are a lot of questions about walking. Anyhow, thank you for joining us and also for accepting audio that includes the sound of nature rather than insisting on information coming in a particular package that requires the folks that create it be sedentary. This is part of how a sedentary culture changes to a more dynamic one. So that is it for this show. If you are interested in improving your walking skills, there is a ton of resources for you on my website. Head over to nutritiousmovement.com and select the blog tab. Type walking into the search box and it will bring up a heap of material to read and or watch. And I'll also link to a page with our best feet, leg, and walking resources, as well as both of my footbooks in the show notes. Just a reminder that my new Walking Well program includes over six hours of gait-improving programming to help you gain distance, avoid injury, and make every step count for whole body health and longevity. The course includes six about 25-minute self-massage rollout sessions with Jill and six about 25-minute gait-based exercise sessions with me, plus two 15-minute 
whole body flow style routine segments, and six gait tests and mini homework assignments to integrate what's been learned. You can find out more about the Walking Well video course by going to our shop under in-depth video courses. That will take you to a page where you can see sample footage and read more about the Walking Well program. And I'll put all of that in the show notes too. I am wishing you all a very happy walk and or roll, my friends. KB out. This has been Move Your DNA with Katie Bowman, a podcast about movement. Hopefully you find the general information in this podcast informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and should not be used as such.